Hey, what's going on, everybody? Appreciate you tuning in. Money Morning Manager. Going to be chopping it up with Maine here in a second. We're just getting our our uh, te technical difficulties uh, worked out here. So give me one sec. I'm going to get Maine pulled up here. Uh, invite co-host. Let's do that as well. Invite co-host. Cool. So shout out to everybody for coming through. Shout out to Max. Shout out to Aiden, as always, for the help. Uh, I, th I think Maine's in here right now. Maine, how's everything going, man? Hey, how's everything going, bro? I really appreciate you having me up here again. Yeah. A lot of familiar faces, too. Yeah, man, of course, of course. Shout out to uh, to Max again for, for helping this, yeah. uh, you know, happen. We've been talking about this for a minute. I It's funny, I went back in, in my uh, IG DMs and I was like, oh, we were talking maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago, trying to get something figured out. And, uh, you know, life led us to, to different paths. But, you know, uh, again, shout out to Max for, for making it happen and, and, and uh, connecting us again. Hundred percent, man. I'm um, really excited to do this. This is one of this is actually the first podcast I've ever done. Oh, that's, that's dope, man. That's dope. Well, well, glad we could we could. Uh, I'm su number one. I'm surprised that's the case, but uh, also glad that that we're able to make this happen together, man. Because you know what you've been doing over the last couple of years has just been awesome, and and again, I can tell you know you're doing it for the right reasons. So so that's just amazing. Um, but uh, but yeah, a couple call outs for everybody who's just joining us for the first time. Uh, again, my name is Murph. This is the Monday Morning Manager podcast, uh, Twitter Spaces. We do this every single week live at 11 a.m. So, you know, feel free to uh, run through our profile, check out some, uh, hit the link in bio, check out some older episodes and, uh, you know, schedule to come back here every week. We talk with, you know, managers throughout the music industry to really just kind of give you some game and some insight on, on how to best move, uh, you know, in, in today's current landscape. So, you know, shout out to everybody for coming through. Uh, please feel free to stick around to the end. We, we try and do a little Q&A if there's some time and, and, and some people that want some questions uh, answered. So, you know, feel free to stick around. Uh, just raise your hand, hit hit those emojis. Uh, if you don't know how to, in the lower right hand corner uh, of your screen, there should be a button for you to do that. Um, but uh, but yeah, man. Now that we have that out of the way, uh, uh, really excited to jump in, in, in into the convo today with Maine. Uh, and and thanks everybody for being here. Um, uh, yeah. So so let's jump into it, uh, Maine. Let's let's start right at the top. Right. Uh, I, I know you're from New York, you know, and, and you know, obviously uh, that, that holds a deep, a deep spot in your heart. You're the oldest of nine kids. So you got a huge family as well. Um, but you said that your first music opportunity came to you, you know, while you were cleaning toilets at a bowling alley. So you really want to dig into that story a little bit to know, you know, kind of how that shaped your career, man. So. So I was working at a, I was working at New Rock City. It's in New Rochelle. I was yep. working at Fun Fusion. Um, so at the time, I was being, I'm still being mentored by him. But at the time, this is when I first connected with Punch OTE, mm -hmm. and this is around the time I also um, started managing one of my best friends, Roddy. So what had happened was I used to come to work late because um, <laughs> I was, <laughs> I used to come to work late because I would be in Roddy's studio, um, just like listening to music and shit. And then after that, um, you know, what ended up happening was um, Punch had ran. We used to just send Punch beats all the time, not thinking anything of it. I just had these connections with him. So I would just take the beats my friends would make and send it to him. I remember this day vividly. Um, I was cleaning toilets. There was a bunch of, there was a party going on. Um, a bunch of kids was around. So I was just cleaning toilets, cleaning the bowling alley. 
Punch just texted me like, yo, champ, I need the stamps. Oh, when <laughs> oh, so you get that text. <laughs> yeah, so this ended up being, um, this ended up being, gold. it's on his SoundCloud still. He hasn't released it on any other DSPs, but this ended up being gold um, by Punch, and it interpolates a line from Jay-Z, which is funny because the next day Punch had posted on social media that he was at dinner with Hove and Beyonce, so I'm assuming that he played the record for them the day after he recorded it. Um, so yeah, that was my first experience. That also, that experience was very humbling too because it just showed me like, you know, this isn't end all be all. Sometimes you gotta crawl before you walk. You know, cleaning those toilets showed me, um, uh, showed me a sign of leadership. Um, having to do things that you're not, you don't necessarily want to do at, at first, but it, it always helps in the end, in the angle. Yeah, man, it's just that, that, uh, you know, I've had moments like that throughout my life and, and career as well, where it's really just teaching you humility, right? You're right. You know what I mean? And being like, oh, you could be here doing this thing, right, that people don't want to do, but it's setting you up, you know, for that long-term thing, which is the ultimate goal. And, and yeah, I think I, I always kind of uh, equate that to that 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 one uh, quote that's like, you know, we often underestimate what we can do uh, in a year, excuse me, overestimate what we can do in a year, but underestimate what we can do in 10 you know what I mean? Like a lot of people have a tough time thinking that far out and, and, uh, you know, they just, they're so heads down on just the immediate thing. So, so it's tough, man. But I love that story because it's just like, you know, I'm sure at that time too, like they were already popping, you know what I mean? Punch was already, obviously the very next day he's, you know, uh, out to dinner with, uh, with Jay-Z and Beyonce, but like to, to, to juxtapose that, you know, to where you were, that's just like an amazing moment in, in your life and just time. Right. Nah, right, and it was just—it was a really big deal for me too because um, the, my breakthrough through music was really through the internet. So you know, at the time, me being in the Bronx, New York, I'm telling all my friends like, "Y'all connected with Kendrick's manager and his and people, the people who signed him," and none of my friends would believe. Him, you know? <laughs> yeah. So when I told when I told Roddy like, "Yo, Punch wants the stems and he want to talk to you," that kind of just changed the dynamic of like the, my my position in my community. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, because now it's like, oh, you are actually doing it. Thing, things are moving. Yeah, man. I, I, I love that. Um, well, I kind of want to shift to a little personal story, too. Like, you've had, you know, uh, up to this point, you know, you've had, I should say another personal story, but up to this point, you know, you've had a great opportunity, a lot of opportunities to work with, you know, a bunch of super talented artists, you know, some are, you know, definitely considered the, the greatest of their generations, right? Um, you know, and, and I'm sure we could spend a whole bunch of episodes talking about all the different stories and, and, and studio sessions, uh, but really want to hear what it was like to be, you know, in the room, you know, for those, uh, you know, Revenge of the Dreamers um, sessions. So uh, just a little background. It's kind of funny that um, how all of that came into fruition because, I was going through, well, I, I will even get into this a little bit more later, but I was going through a, a hard, tough, a hard, um, sorry, a hardship. And basically, you know, one of my good friends, Mark Gianni, he had told me to go to a Earth Game session. And that's the same day that I met Cole. Um, what, funny thing is, my first three producers that I managed, Roddy, Sean, and Park were there. So from there, um, Cole ended up hiring me the same day. I ended a couple, like two months later. The Dreamville sessions happened. I just so just so happened to be in Atlanta. Um, I'll say it was a very 
it was a very fun experience um working with everybody i'm real i'm real big on documenting my goals like writing things down i'll say the year before that i probably checked off 40 goals that whole year but in that one week of the session i probably checked off about 123 124 i have the book somewhere it was like just basically records that i had or people that i've worked with so it was a real it was a really good experience it was also one of the hardest working experiences i've had i'm just blessed to have the opportunity that cole gave me to help pass the gifts to everyone else you know Mm. so it was a real good experience i learned a lot there was also this funny moment where um you know all the rooms were taken so there was two producers um actually three it was teddy walton four actually teddy walton roddy mike hector and aaron Bo. they took over the living room because all of the rooms were taken the music was so fired that the starting lineup of the milwaukee bucks showed up and was surrounded them while they were making beats <laughs> yeah. yeah just uh that's just a crazy story <laughs> that's awesome man i i love that and and, and what i love that you hit on probably most importantly was just um, the hard work piece of it, you know, from the outside, a lot of people look in, they're like, Oh my gosh, like to be in that thing, that must be so cool, right. To be in sessions like that and around those types of people and that level of, uh, you know, skill, right. That's just cool. What they forget is the other side of it, which is the work part. And it's like, um, I kind of looked at those things as like, um, it's kind of like, uh, what SNL is probably like every single week, right? You have to come up with these crazy ideas. Like right away, you gotta build sets, you gotta build worlds, you gotta record it, you gotta get it out. Then you gotta get the feedback. You gotta keep doing that a bunch of times, and then you put it out to the world. And then it's just like, yo, that this is what it is. Right. And, 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 and in between all of that, there are so many fires that you have to. Put right. Up. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And in in that time, just like you said, you're able to check off a whole bunch of goals. That really, that's like the pressure cooker. You know, it's like, yo, are you going to be able to, you said you really wanted this. Do you? Because this is it, right? And and I love those moments because it, it does. It forces you, you know, going back to what we were talking about at the top of our call here but before we hopped on on Spaces, it's about just being intentional. It's like, do you really want this? How are you going to spend your time? Mm-hmm. Right. Intention and discipline is very, very important, yeah. especially for just, just life in general. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, you gotta be intentional with everything you do nowadays. Yeah. Uh, I love it. I love it. All right, man. We'll, we'll appreciate those th- those stories, man. I, I I always like to start there because it's you know giving a little bit more context to to the listeners about you know who you are and and, and what you've done up to this point. Um, but it, I, I want to shift gears a little bit um, because today's episode, you know, we wanted to talk about you know kind of. Uh, making hits, you know, and, and being able to diversify a little bit. And I think, you know, you have, um, I know you're still early on in your career, but up to this point, you know, you've done a, a great job at, at kind of both of those things. Um, so I, I want to talk, uh, of course, man, of course. So I, I want to jump right into that now. So, you know, in the past, you said that, you know, kind of working with creatives, um, you know, you expect them to to leave their, you know, egos at the, at the door, right? And to, you know, really focus focus on um, uh, uh, bringing great ideas to the table, right? So how important is it for artist managers to keep their egos at the door as well? Um, it's very important because I, I first heard this line by Kendrick, but I also apply it to my career too. You're only as good as your last record, right? Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> it's very important to leave your ego at the door as a manager because, you know, at some point, 
way I look at it is life is all about humility, right? Identity and purpose. Once you know who you are, you know what you're meant to do in life. Us as managers, our, our jobs isn't to make ourselves a star, it's to manage the it's to manage the careers of others, right? You can't be you can't be arrogant you can't be arrogant and egotistical when you're making music or making a play because it might rub somebody off the wrong way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then that person may not want to do business with you later on. You gotta treat people like human beings at the every, at the end of the day. When I went, when I was an intern at RCA, um, I would treat every single person the same, no matter what their job title was, no matter what they did, etc. This guy that worked at the front desk, um, you know, I got to know him. As, I got to know him as I would come into the internship. Turns out he's a toy maker and, and makes his and has his own toy company. You know what I mean? You just never know. So yeah, it's very important to just as a manager, as a human being, to keep your ego in check. Yeah. I um one thing that I've been reading a lot about too is um just the idea of having an idea meritocracy, right? Where the and, and this is like kind of piggybacking off of what you said, but it's really about trying to have the trying to make sure that the best idea wins, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think when you check your egos at the door, kind of on both when when two people agree to work as a team, like an artist and a manager, right? And when they know, hey, th- these are your roles and these are my roles, and and you know that um, you know you're able to get to the truth of what each person's role is. When you do that. That's when I feel like you're able to really check your ego at the door because now you're coming with like, okay, who's got the best idea, right? Okay, maybe you're you're better at crafting those records and I'm better at you know helping to market and release and promote those things. So like, how can we come together? N- not to say that there isn't going to be disagreement, but that um, because that's just bound to happen, right? With those ideas, but it's about respecting the other person and knowing that you guys are both. Um, you know, trying to put out the best thing. A hundred percent, hundred percent, and that's where the, you know, that's where the collaborative effort comes in. And you know, I, when it comes to the team that I work with, I'm really big on. I don't call I don't call weaknesses weaknesses. I call things I call those things to improve on. So that's where the collaborative efforts come in. You know, mm-hmm. and the only way to identify your strengths and your weaknesses is to not be egotistical. Yeah, you got to be able to, you know, uh, look at yourself and say, okay, what's working, what's not working. And, and yeah, the, the whole weakness thing, it's, for me, it's like, yo, if you know that's a weakness, that's okay. You need to find someone else who can compliment you uh, in that regard, right? Because that's where you can, you know, get the best uh, out of your life and the other person's life too, right? Because th- maybe they're not good at what you're good at. And that's where that, that compatibility comes into play. Yeah, man. So um, I, I want to talk about uh, Love Roulette uh, for a second. You know, that's obviously the the newest addition to uh, to Cody Shane's you know discography. Um, he's worked with a ton of people, right? Uh, Rick Ross, Trippy Red, uh, Lil Yachty. Um, what does Cody bring to the table that keeps her seat? And how do you plan, you know, to kind of maintain, uh, you know, that upward trajectory that you guys are on? So I could I could talk about Cody saying it all day. But I'll just say I'll I'll say this like she really gets it. She wants it as bad as I want it. We're a team. We're definitely a team. That's like my best friend. Um, one thing I'd say that I say that helps her trajectory to keep going is just her ability to be very coachable. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I've only been working with her since November. Um, and from January to now, we probably have about 70 records together, right? Mm. A, a lot of those records isn't just one genre. We've explored probably like six, seven genres by mm. now. Um, she's also not detached. I mean, not, not that she's not detached. She's also not attached to her work, meaning like she's okay. Cause right now she's working on, um, building her publishing catalog mm-hmm. and her songwriting ability. So she's okay with, you know, if she doesn't see the value, not that she wouldn't see the value, but if she sees like this record may be a bigger record for somebody else, she's okay with giving that away. Mm. One thing I also noticed about her too is I've never seen her write any bars pen to paper. She just visualizes everything. You know what I mean? And it's, she literally closes her eyes, gets on a mic and steps in a whole new world. And she spellbounds a lot. Just like me, I, I like to view myself as a prophet. Sometimes Cody would shape certain things in her in her music, and it ends up happening for the for good or for bad. You know what I mean? And I think that's a gift with her. You know, that's I mean, uh, shit. That for anybody to to be able to do that, you know what I mean, and and not write stuff down, but to just like feel it and and be able to like verbalize, go to that place internally to be able to then bring that back up and verbalize it and record it. That's just like it's amazing. that's incredible um the other thing that that you've done kind of talking about um you know and and what i you know really known of you over the years is like the the kind of old school a and r that that you actually are right like you're really just like you're talking about you know you're working with an artist who's working on their publishing catalog like a lot of people aren't necessarily managers aren't necessarily thinking about that or trying to go that route when managing an artist they're like yeah who's popping on tiktok and how can i make them more popping right you're you're focusing on something else which is how can we build up you know an artist's um career their catalog um so you know so we can number one uh, uh, build a real business, but also leave an impact, you know, and, and those two things I would imagine for you go, go hand in hand. Um, and kind of alongside that, you know, you've shown a lot of love to producers who are still looking for their, you know, their first big shot in the past. So how important is it to you as a professional to keep your ears, you know, open to, you know, anybody, right? That next undiscovered producer, artist, Um, manager, whoever. I'll say this, like, for me personally, I, I believe that producers and engineers are the best in the arts. I've mm-hmm. learned from them a lot. Um, they just bring the enjoyment of just creating for the sake of art and no monetary gain. You know what I mean? Um, I learned a lot from producers too. Um, take a day trip, for example, um, with my experience working with them. It's been, what, two years now? A year and a half, two years now. They've, you know, they just showed me the value of teamwork. Um, they literally had me for the summer that I spent with them. Like I spent the summer in LA with them. Um, they had me studying Rolling Stones, 500 greatest songs of all time. Mm. Um, even outside of that, right? Just, just talking about impact and working with producers early on park Avenue, who was one of my first producers I've, I've worked with. He's now stepping in just, just from the influence and inspiration from things we've been doing over the, these last couple of years. He's now stepping into A and R and executive producer role. Um, he actually just got got hired at a at a record label recently, right? As an A and R, um, Sean, who's like who's really big in stocks and money management, he helped me. 
No, well, not much, not just money management, but he helped me with money management mm-hmm. just by watching him um, dive into different different things. And he's here right now, SLR. That's my guy. But yeah, just even my, one of my youngest producers that I work with, she's always full of life. Um, Sophie Gray, she's from Toronto, but lives in Los Angeles. The fact that she's quick on her feet to learn things and improve things that that she may consider a weakness. She's killing it right now. I don't know. No, I don't know one young producer who's had this much catalog records that are about to come out this year. Mm. And just in just in general, like um, I, I know I'm kind of rambling, but no, no. there's this there's this group of producers I've been working with recently um, named Split Mind Collective. Mm. They're their like team is just so so good. Like not even just talent wise, but just it feels like family. You know what I mean? And that's the main reason why I love to connect with producers early on because a lot of producers are a lot of producers get jaded get jaded in their in their careers. They also lose guidance. It's important to have to have a person that they can look up to or even just somebody that you can learn from or teach to. Mm. So I, I I love that. Um, two questions that come to mind kind of, uh, you know, off of that. Um, is there any kind of, uh, routine that, that you've built out for yourself in order to, uh, you know, try and find new artists, managers, producers to, to work with? I know, you know, kind of a legendary story about Clive Davis's, you know, uh, back in the day, every weekend he'd go, go home with, you know, just all the, all the new music that came out. Uh, that week on the weekend and just listen to it regardless of genre right he would just listen to everything to just try to figure out who was who and and what was popping so do you have a system like that for yourself where you're like yo every tuesday at two o'clock i'm listening to like new music or do you have places that you go to to pull new music from or how do you do it um i say for myself it's really so where where music discovery comes for me is just really just experience in the studios Mm. um like when I was in, I'll give another example. We take a day trip. When I was working in the cabin um, last summer, I would just hear them working on different different genres of music. I would ask questions, and then from there, I'll do my own self discovery of who's this artist. Then it's like a family tree, right? I like to look at genres like family trees. Mm-hmm. Um, when you find one artist, you find similar artists, and you find different different similar artists. Who's in that? Who's in there locally, etc. I wouldn't say I have a direct routine. But I would just say, like, a lot of my discovery just comes from my love from working with producers. Mm. And do you have a way that you, like, organize new music that comes in? Nowadays, there's so much, right? We're bombarded with content and every platform and every artist has got something coming out. Do you have something? Do you have a filter? You know, do you create, like, yo, I got a weekly playlist and, like, I'll add, or a monthly playlist, and that's kind of where you add new stuff to and you listen to it on your own? Or, you know, how, how do you filter the, the input? So I, I have a I have a dummy Spotify account that has music on it nice. every week. Sometimes I, I don't like to put it out there because you know some A and R's might take the sauce. <laughs> yep. But I, I have a dummy account that I was like um, that I basically just add new music to as I hear it, mm-hmm. and then I just like keep it private for myself and then make sure like I set reminders in my phone to check out new music every week at least once a week. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's so important. The reason I, I, you know, I wanted to talk about routines is because, um, I think in music, we don't necessarily, um, think of 
ways to build out systems like that, right? But if you can build out a system for just about anything, right? Like how often you go to the studio, how often you write, how often you listen to music. If you can build those into your daily routine, chances are you're going to start to hit on those things a little bit more and start to see that progression in your life and your career and, you know, whatever sort of thing you're trying to work on. So I, I like to talk about those things because um, it's funny, the man... The, the managers may have some of that, but but um, probably the engineers have more of that mind because they're seeing song structures and Pro Tools and editing software right. and things like that. But it's not necessarily verbalized to the rest of you know a career and kind of how you can systemize things to help keep you on track. Right. So yeah, and I, I think it's important too as managers like utilize like Google Sheets or mm. spreadsheets. You know what I mean. Um, mm. That's one way I like to organize even records or my roster schedule A of what they're we're working on, etc. Pending records, um, records that are coming out, you know. So yeah, I it's like to, it's I a like small to tool, management. man. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. It's that and like you know, you know, uh, iCal or Google calendars, like s- right. very underutilized by by a lot of people, you know, in music. And it's just like that's just a little thing that can just help you stay on track, right? Which is mm-hmm. what you need when you're trying to because you talked about it a second ago, like when you start to go down those creative rabbit holes, sometimes you're, you're going looking at this family tree, you go way off, right? Or you're looking at the 500 best records and you go down rabbit holes and you're stuck there for days and you're like, you're just enamored because there's so much stuff out there. So we kind of need those systems to like pull us back to be like, okay, hey, remember? Remember this project over here that you're trying to get done? <laughs> um, so so the other thing too, actually – um, you know, you brought up uh, Spotify for a second. I want to talk to you, you know, kind of a, a little bit about, you know, some of the work that you've done with Apple Music over the years. Like you're, you know, we're talking about creating playlists. Like you, you actually did that for them, you know, on a, on a regular basis. So, yeah, t- tell us a little bit about that experience. No doubt. So it was actually the New New York playlist for Apple Music. Yep. Um, that was actually my first, my first official music job. Um, shout out to Tim G and Carl over at Spotify. So Tim G had hit Carl, and then Carl ended up contacting me. And then, yeah, once once I had got that music job, I felt like you know I had the keys to New York, kind of. And shout outs to my homie Will because Will's now the official curator of that that playlist. Um, my experience with that was like, you know, it really gave me a chance to really like go around and discover music outside of just producers. You know, I was popping up at sessions. I built so much meaningful relationships from artists like Radamans, um, Flea, um, Sinatra, T. Shine, etc. A lot of different people in New York. Corey Lee, my guy, my guy right there. Like it's just different people in general. You know, so it's just really just like I utilize that to help give a voice to to people just like me in New York who are just trying to make it in music. Mm. It wasn't necessarily about like. Yo, I'm gonna put the most popular artists on the playlist. Nah, that's not what it's about for me. So it's the new New York for a reason. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, that that having that title definitely helped open up doors for me early on. Um, yeah, I was just I was really like going around to different labels every single week, <laughs> walking like in New York, utilizing um, that playlist. So yeah, I love it, man. I, I love. Uh, 
utilizing like that brand recognition that you're able to you know capture from obviously apple right and apple music to to further build relationships for you to just open up those doors is like that's an opportunity just to build and and i love that that you took it as that you're like oh this isn't really about me this is about the other people and like i get to build great relationships that's the kind of the selfish part you know for you but it's it, it really is about building you know put, putting other people on you know, and, and saying, yo, I know there's a bunch of people just like me. Right. You got to use your gifts for the greater good, man. Yep. Yeah. Well, great power comes great responsibility, man. You know, shout out to Peter Parker. Right. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> um, we're talking about, you know, uh, or I should say the, the, the focus of today's talk is really kind of about making hits and diversifying. Um, one of the things that, you know, or that we've talked about kind of up to this point has really been about all kind of the back back-end stuff, right, and how these things start to get built up through one's life and one's career. Um, but I want to ask this question kind of point blank now Now that we're in, in, in the conversation. Do you think there's certain criteria that make a hit song, you know, in today's day and age, or is it really sub- subjective, right? Because this is art at the end of the day, and, and it really is up to the listener. A hit song is, you know, whatever anybody thinks is a hit song. But for you, do you think there are certain elements that need to be, you know, in, in a song to, uh, to to make it really go? Um, so I was actually talking about this in one of, my, in one of the uh, group chat I was in a couple of days ago. Um, the topic was... was um, was Chief Keefe and NATO a, a hit, a global hit or not, right? Mm. Um, I, I, I actually think cultural relevance plays a big impact in it. If the kids and if the kids and elder people love it, that's a big impact as well. But then again, you have the studying aspect of music where it's like, um, if you go back to Max Martin's catalog, right? And if, even if you read this book called um, Why I Like It, the music, the science history behind music, something like that, I'll share it soon. Um, certain chords, right, mm-hmm. are appealing to the ear. Therefore, history always repeats itself. You know what I mean? So certain chords, how you say certain things, even the recording, even your recording techniques to help define a hit. But when it, what it comes down to me is very much so cultural impact. Mm. How often we play value to how often the song gets played, and like I said, if the kids love it and and also elders love it, you're in that medium of like yeah, no matter what, I transcended two worlds. You know what I mean? Yep. So, um, going down that rabbit hole a little bit. For you know, I I I I love that. There's another book out there. I'm trying to find it on my shelf now. That's talking about. Um, song structure the song machine inside the hit factory by john seabrook they talk about max martin in there um a lot yeah you know and, and I, go ahead no my bad I was, i'm excited you brought that up because another one of my producers makes mp he gifted that to me but i haven't read it yet oh so, such a great book I, I read it a while back but um yeah i i, I in there that's really what it's talking about it's really the, the guy John Seabrook. I think it was like a, a music journalist for I don't know the New York Times or something like that. But he went into like, okay, I'm listening to songs that my kid likes. You know what I mean? Or I have him put the radio on, and it's like, oh man, that's trash. But I like this thing. Why is that, right? And so he went down the rabbit hole of like all that stuff, right? You know what? Is there 
a particular song structure that makes a hit record that makes it palpable for a wide uh, you know genre uh, of, of people and um yeah man they talk about max martin in there specifically like somebody who's just been doing it for so long uh in so many different genres so many different ways it's it's crazy but there is a system and i think that's important to kind of go back to to that so roundabout way to, to to get to my next question here which is you know the thing i think you hit on was you know cultural relevance and, and paying attention to what's moving do you have any advice for artists or managers that are on the come up on things that they should pay attention to that are moving the culture right now you know back back when i was first getting started it's the blog era right so you're on not nah, right you're on two dope boys you're really paying attention to what's moving there um Obviously, TikTok is is of huge importance today, but that's starting to get a little bit more mature, right? And, and definitely oversaturated with people. So, is there something that you think um, young people coming up should, you know, pay attention to? And, and the reason, and, and let me actually add this caveat too on the internet, right? Because, um, you know. You, you everything is accessible at that point right like if you're if you're from a small town it's hard to say oh just pay attention to what's popping in your town it's like well okay there's only you know 5000 people in my town there's not much moving there like a little bit right that can give you some inspiration on how to build things but yeah let's go with like where can people look on the internet you know where should they be paying attention to nowadays with so much stuff going on um i, I hate to give a basic answer but i'll say twitter like mm. build community you can build a whole community Twitter if you utilize it the right way. Right? Mm. Yo, I gotta say you have, right? All these people coming through, man, today to, to listen. Like I think that's that's evidence of you doing that right there. You know what I mean? Like and, and like I said, we've been following you. I've been following you and, and we've known each other, you know, kind of uh, you know, from a distance for a while. And I just see that that's what, you know, j- just to kind of jump in and steal your thunder for a second, but but more so to, to show you love is like you do that on social. Right, you're actually saying, "Hey, I'm working on these big projects. You got some stuff? Send me some shit. I want to hear it." Right? Like maybe right. we can use it for this. Right, and I, like that's where the factor of just like creating opportunity and not and knowing that it's not about just yourself. But yeah, music discovery plays like a big part for me with it when it comes to Twitter. Um, that's honestly how I've met most of all of my clients. Right, mm-hmm. besides like couple, besides like the industry. Um, yeah, just really just utilizing that. Um, I use Twitter to the best of my ability to find new talent. I found so many different producers, maybe more so producers than artists. The artists I've worked with found me. I haven't went to go look for them, but definitely producers I look for them more to on social media. Um, I, 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 I think I, I agree with the Twitter piece of it too because like you can follow all those old school blogs and publications you know that are still putting out content all in one spot and it's in real time and you can create lists. I think that's like a super underappreciated um feature of twitter right like it's it's in chronological order and you can create a list so now it's like okay let me go over here to like you know my 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 list of producers or artists i'm trying to work with or you know curators at websites or or journalists or or whatever right like now you know exactly what all those people are talking about how you can you know kind of engage with them I haven't actually utilized lists, but I've been added to a couple lists. I should start utilizing it. Yeah, I yeah, I was gonna say I I just recently got back into it, um, but like it, it, years ago, I, I had some, and so I, I probably six months ago I jumped back into it, and I was like, okay, this is actually just super clutch because now it's just filtered better, 
And, you know, it's like, oh, if I want to look at everything all at once, I can go here. But if I want to get, like, very specific to pay attention to it, um, that's where I think, it, you know, utilizing social media as, as tools and resources, again, right. is, is not talked about as much as, like, you know, the entertainment value that, that you know, everybody gets sucked into. Right. 100%. You know, and, and so we're talking about scheduling and times and tools. Like, I always like to say that. Like, think of those things. Fill your timelines up with, like, great inputs so that way like if you're going to spend time there like you're you're talking you're paying attention to the right things and hopefully building relationships with the right people no 100 you train your mind to 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 see and do positive things you know yeah I, I went on so i went on a social media cleanse where i had to unfollow a bunch of people and things that just i felt wasn't servicing me mentally or like stopping my growth you know yep you are what you see you are what you eat you know what i mean yep so, yep Oh, man, uh, I, I love that. Um, so, yeah, I want to talk about um, – we have a whole list of questions that we're going through, and I know I'm, like, jumping all around. But, like, I was going to say, it's a great conversation. So you're just making me, you know, think, think about a whole bunch of different things. Um, but I want to talk about diversifying a little bit. We talked about it a little while ago when you had mentioned, the, you know, one of the producers that you're working with is really focused on building out, you know, kind of their, their publishing, um, you know, catalog. So I kind of want to – go back into that for a second you know i know you're looking forward to you know kind of the upcoming developments with with web3 right and its potential applications in the anr and, and publishing 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 space my bad um so you know just kind of curious how you're tapping into that right now um you know what what you're paying attention to because obviously still very very early days um you know with with web3 but but yeah curious your take on on that um so one of my mentors, um, John Tanners, he's who I look at as like some a guru in, in Web three. Him and Dowda, who who um, founded Create Safe, and also Carlisle Smith, who's working with Horizon. Um, I haven't myself haven't per se dove into it yet because I have a lot going on like on the artist and producer front. Yep. But um, I think it's very important that that creatives at least start to gain knowledge or dive into it or rub shoulders with people who are in that world. I'm very much excited for it, especially not even just for the musical aspect of it, for producers and artists, but um, non-traditional A&Rs and managers and executive producers. I know CreateSafe is like developing um, an A&R tool, right? That would help like people to be able to outsource sessions and you know do metadata on the internet through an app and things like that. So I'm really excited about that. But yeah, I haven't really dove into it per se 100%, but I do eventually plan on it. Got it, got it. Yeah, I think um, still super early days, right? And I think, you know, you, you, there's going to be a lot of uh, uh, other bigger companies with deeper pockets to help continue to educate and build things out. Like all the tools aren't, it's so complex right now, it's hard for anybody to really understand uh, exactly how to utilize it. Because although ownership is at the, um, the, the the center of all of that it's still about how do you convert the average fan or listener to this new thing right that's what makes spotify or apple music so easily and and scalable right it's like oh you just click this thing and you get 70 million songs got it simple i can get that but now we're going to split it up and now you're going to have your you got to pay for jay-z's thing you got to pay for beyonce's thing you got to pay for jay cole's thing you got to do this and now each one of them is going to have a different app there there's going to need to be a central place for you to go and access all that stuff so i don't think we've really hit that that point i think some things are starting to be built out but but yeah still still early days um in in talking about diversifying right 
traditionally, um, you know, years ago when producers were trying to get popping, it was really like, okay, I'm going to produce records and I'm going to just get them to artists. And then if we build a great connection, you know, hopefully we can build a bunch of songs, do a whole project together and, and just kind of build, build that way. If you go back further than that, it was really like you just worked with one producer for an entire project all the time, right? Uh, 90s, early 2000s, you know, the 20 teens, it's, you're working with a whole bunch of different producers for your projects. But are there some like pillars and kind of cornerstones that you think are um, important and kind of integral to a producer or a songwriter's um, career and kind of revenue streams, right? It's like, yes, you want to be pitching, um, you know, artists, you know, records that, that you've created. What's the best way to go about doing that? How do you think about sync placements? You know, do you want to try and partner up with one company that can help you with all that how do you partner with a company you know curious your take on like walk us through if you were a producer or songwriter today just getting started what would you really focus on to help you um you know build a career and establish like real revenue coming in um so i would say it starts with creating an ecosystem right having an ecosystem of you know producers and ours or managers and corn etc um studying music for one because if you just locked in just making rap music yeah you're gonna be known as that rap guy but eventually you're gonna have clones and you're gonna have people trying to emulate your sound right so it's very important to dive into other genres even if you feel like you may suck at it right dive into it dive into different genres rub shoulders with different producers leave your ego at the door um and I, i've heard this saying multiple times in music sessions once you start thinking about money, God leaves the room. Mm. All right? So you have to do it with intention. Like, yo, this is, I just want my art to get out there. Yeah, you can follow blurbs. You can follow guidelines when it comes to same places, etc. But you have to have fun with it at the end of the day. Um, one producer I want to bring up, too, he, he, that I work with and manage, he had a really big um, sync placement this year. And his name, is, his name is Benjamin, right? But he goes by Split It Up Benji. He actually co-produced on Kate Cuddy's um, Stars in the Sky for the Sonic the Hedgehog 2 movie. Um, we didn't know. He, I, I'm pretty sure he didn't know when he was called into the cabin because he, he works with um, with us with Take a Day Trip and stuff. I'm pretty sure he didn't know he was getting called into the cabin to work on a Sonic movie. Mm-hmm. He was just told, you know, um, you know we, we, we want you to lay guitar guitar on this um production piece with dr genius this is coming from take a day trip right etc so you know after the time goes by he just kept coming to the cabin coming to the cabin eventually day trip ended up meeting with paramount pictures paramount pictures and the song was ended up selected to be in a movie which is you know this is his first big placement this isn't his first placement you know first major placement but it's a re- his first big sync placement and you know that kind of set him up to where it's like all right I'm pretty sure if Paramount wants to, they're going to keep coming back to and keep coming back to Take a Day Trip. It's all about building catalog and building those relationships. Take a Day Trip, as much as, much as Benji doesn't have a, a history, historical catalog, and he's very young, he's a black kid from Queens, very inspirational, etc. His energy got noticed by someone like Take a Day Trip, who is known for, who the producer dude who's known for making a catalog of hits. All it took was his talent and his integrity for them to, you know, put their shoulders around like, yo, we want to take you on this journey with us. We want to utilize these opportunities that we have coming in. You're very talented. 
why can't you eat with us while we eat too? Mm. So yeah, building that ecosystem. I, I, I love it. It just brings it back to, you know, trying to be um, a human, right? And just right. being intentional, putting out good work, and just continuing to do it. It's like you want those good opportunities. We'll just keep making good stuff, try and work with as many people as possible, and then you, you got to get your feet wet there. And then, you know, right. you'll start to build out those those opportunities. That those, those, those things will come. Um, go ahead. No, I was going to also say, you got to also realize, man, nobody in this world owes you nothing. You owe it all to yourself. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, and I'll just say this little piece, too. Um, I know we're talking about revenue and producers and, and stuff, but I'll say this. Like, I was going going through a very hard, like, hard time in my life. I didn't seek out, take a day trip. They actually seeked me out. I was staying in my car at one point while they contacted me. You know what I mean? And that just goes to show you the work that you do over the years and the seeds that you plant will come back to you. This is at the time when, when they were working on Lil Nas X's debut album, Montero. So it's like, you know, they could have chose to work with anybody. You know, I don't know how they found well, I do know how they found me, but like yeah, you just gotta be you gotta be intentional and be in it for the right reasons and don't think of about the money. If you're going through hardships at some point it's going to help you. It's going to help you build character, and everything will come back full circle. Yeah, man, I love that. I love that. I'm really glad that you brought up that story. That 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 was in the notes here. I mean, I, I was gonna summarize all that shit at the end because I'm looking at my my questions. I'm like, yo, we have we have so many things in here that that, that you did. So I, I want to take time, you know, to do that. So so you mentioned the split it up Benji thing. Uh, uh, Mingo is another person that you work with who's got a couple of tracks on Vince Staples' album. You yourself are nominated for a Grammy with all the Revenge of the Dreamers three work that you did uh you know you helped put other people on you know and get those guys grammy nominated as well um you know uh, what else we got in here that on it yeah the take a day trip stuff those guys working with you know Lil nas x but also working with you at the same time um just over the last couple of years things have really started to 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 build on and tack on for you um and and just like you said that's that's um really just a testament to trying to build great relationships with great people and then just trying to be of service of value hey what do you need how, how can i help you um so so i love that i want to bring it all back to um and, and i think you've kind of hit uh, on on all of these things but um i think one of, one of the things that you talked about too is like there, there's a difference between you know kind of research A and R's right and and more classic A and R's. Can you explain for those that don't know? Can you kind of explain the difference between the two and and you know why you think um, uh, or excuse me in in of those two things, what is the best way to kind of uh, build out uh, records in, in in today's business? Do you think it's a, a mix of those two things? Do you think it's one more so than the other? Um, I want to go on the record and say that, say the world needs both. Mm. Music world definitely needs both, right? Um, I've never. I think one of the main reasons why I've never been a a research A and R is because I haven't held an actual full time A and R position anywhere, right? Mm. Like as a like hired by an actual record label, etc., right? But um, it is really. Um, I think the the best way to go about it with research and R obviously with research, you're looking into the numbers, you're seeing the trends, you're seeing um, what marketing tactics are working with this artist or etc. Then traditional A and R is building, in my opinion, 
building catalog, um, bringing the best people to make the to make a project come to a project result to the best of its ability, right? Um, I'll give you a couple examples. Over at Doppler, when I helped manage Doppler Studios with Mark Gianni and Lucas Helmer, we did a lot of writing camps or just camps in general. We did with Ozion, right? We spent the week with Ozion. We brought in different musicians, um, saxophonists, pianists, um, every instrument you could think of, a harpist, etc. Right? These are also musicians who have little to no placements. You feel me? So it's just really about building the records. Um, identifying what the artist needs versus what they want to and yeah just having fun with creating meaningful records um i have a playlist series that i make every year where it's like all the all songs i felt executive produce a lot of those records um whether it's independent or major release projects it it has to do with just bringing bringing a lot of producers or song, the right songwriters together yeah, I'll just say traditional A and R to me, that's what that is. Like building catalog, building meaning for records. Not more so thinking how the song is going to perform. Yeah, you know, certain you know, once you hear a hook a certain hook, you know a song's gonna perform great. But you know, so most most sessions in my experience, the best sessions start with conversation. Mm-hmm. It can be about real life shit. And that can inspire a hook. Therefore that hook could also turn into a whole whole verse. And that's when you know a certain a certain chord a certain chord progression can now determine the mood of a song, etc. I'm more so saying on the traditional A and R sense because of that reasoning. Because it's more of a feeling than it is like, yo, I'm only signing this or working on this because it's trending and it's popping right now. I think that's a great point. I love that you brought that up. That there's like there there's a need for both and one of the reasons that majors um you know people that work at major labels and ours that do that uh, their focus is on the research stuff is because it's a different business model right like they have to do that because they they're getting paid and the label is making money in a way that is really trying to optimize and game the system so like we need to know what's popping right now so we can make more of that stuff right now so we can make more money of that right now so that we can make our shareholders happy to make that so yeah it, it is um I, I really love that you brought that point up it's like okay that's needed for one thing and if you want to work at a re- record label like expect to you know kind of be uh dealing with those roles and those boxes right and then on the other side you know here's kind of the more traditional stuff really which is really the feeling of music and and what you're trying to put out in the world and, and how to best cultivate you know that thing um i'm still learning I'm, i want to learn how to combine both to be honest mm. with you Yep. Like that's what I'm learning to do now. Um, I've been just studying a lot of like tactics from different A&Rs and music executives. Um, my mentor, Tunji Balogun, he sent me a, a list of executives to study probably like a month or two months ago. I'm still on that list, just studying different marketing tactics, A&R tactics that you've done, etc. So yeah, I think it's love very it. important that there is both. I would love to meet more A&Rs and managers who are hybrids of both too. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think we'll start to see more of that as things progress and people kind of push back on the whole data-driven releases, right? We're kind of tired and played out of those. And now we know, right? Now we know, okay, like you're just putting this into the system to make your shit pop when like what what is this really saying? How is this benefiting us as listeners, as people? I start. I think we're starting to get 
we're, we're starting to get that. Um, we're coming down to, to time. Got, got a couple of final questions here for you, but uh, uh, appreciate everybody for sticking around. You guys have any questions, uh, we'll, we'll try and do a little Q&A session here at the end. Um, but I kind of wanted to end it, you know, on, on um, at least for the, the, the um, major portion of this conversation, uh, on this piece right here. Um, you know, you, you've talked about it a little bit throughout this episode here too, just about your mental struggles and, and that, that you've dealt with and, and personal life struggles that you've dealt with. Um, one of the other things that you mentioned was, you know, you kind of thought that like you may have reached um, you, you, your quote unquote peak, you know, with, with the stuff that you guys did with, um, you know, Revenge of the Dreamers. But it sounds like you've grown and moved on from that that thinking right um so curious to know what advice you know you'd give to any music business professional after they get their their first taste of of success um seek a mentor to ask questions um hit the reset button spend time with family and your friends outside of music mm. because at the end of the day it's going to resurface and help you reflect on who you really are as a person like me personally i had left that window like i move i ended up moving back to new york i'm between new york and l.a and reason being is, you know, after a while, kind of just felt burnt out. Like I was, I was chasing something rather just coasting and being. You mm. know what I mean? Um, but yeah, just like you got to just really take care of you. Um, exercise, read more, gain knowledge. Um, don't be afraid to fail. You got to get up. You got to fall seven times and get up eight every single time. You know what I mean? Mm. So, yeah, you just got to, you have to be able to, you also have to be able to be detached from a moment and realize a moment is just a moment. That doesn't define who you are or your skill set. Like, when I did the revenge, revenge sessions, um, I was I was kind of iffy about going back home because I didn't know, like, yo, a bunch of people were hitting me up. didn't know who to trust. I didn't know if people were just being opportunists. Um like, a lot of things, like, I, I kind of, like, stopped talking to some of the people who were involved in, like, who were at the sessions, etc. too. So it was just kind of, like, a weird moment for me. And just transitioning into the spaces where it's like, yo, you got to hone in on who you really are at the end of the day and what you really hit that shit for. Mm. Because that's what's really going to help you to get past those mental blockages and, and, and ceiling. You know what I mean? If you hit a ceiling, you got to create a new one every mm. single time. Mm. And that's where the factor is like, yo, there's a saying, um, I forgot who said it. I f first found it in a, in a music video. Um, your ex, the song name is your ex lover is dead, right? There's a saying that goes, when there's nothing left to burn, you have to set yourself on fire. Mm. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, uh, ah, man, I, I love it. I think that a lot of that stuff rings true. It's just it comes back to you and, and why you're doing it. You, you have to keep that top of mind, review that constantly, so that way you can stay grounded, right? That's what helps you, just like you said, kind of build that new ceiling. Okay, what's next? How can we get to that next thing and not get too caught up in one moment? You know, because we think that that moment is like so big and so long when it, it's really like small and like. There's so many other things going on in life, both in the business and, and, and personally. And so it's important to just maintain perspective. Nah, most definitely, bro. I right. actually, like when the, when the dream, when the Avenger the Dream session happened, not the session, but the year the nominations happened, that was probably one of the worst years of my life. Mm. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And I had to like really sit down myself. I, I had an internal struggle, like battling success and battling depression because I ended a four-year relationship. 
Mm. You know what I mean? So Yeah, man. It's it, it's always that, right? Life is always like that that juxtaposition, you know, uh, uh, of those things, man. Um, well, well, hey, we're coming down to time here. Got got two final kind of uh, personal questions I'd like to ask everybody that, that are just completely random and different. Um, you know, I know you had, you know, kind of the old school IGTV uh, mains library for success, right? Your, your, your book club. Um, so, yeah, just kind of curious, anything that you've been reading lately that, that's really kind of blown your mind or, or changed your perspective on things? I actually got it right here, and I'll show you because we're on Zoom. I have Becoming Supernatural yeah, by it. Dr. Joe Dispenza and Atomic Habits by James Clear. And then another one that I was gifted by Cody V at Atlantic. He also manages DJ Dahi and uh, Take a Day Trip. Um, Inner, Inner Engineering by Sadhu Gore. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I love it. I, it's it's really about studying the craft. Like I'm, I'm big on that too. Like I just have a, a whole bunch of books in my in my office. You know that that are really you said it a, a while ago, and I want to repeat that again too. Is history repeats itself, right? So like you know I got books with Ahmet Erdogan. You know about his entire life story. People are like, yo, who's that? It's the founder of Atlantic Records, right? Going back to the I'm 30s. Gonna, and, I'm about to write that down right now. Yo, I, I, the, the, name of the, book? the name of the book is called The Last Sultan. And Ahmet Erdogan is um, this the guy who's, who 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 founded Atlantic Records. Him and his brother, uh, Turkish immigrant, um, just amazing life story. The book is crazy. It's about how he found Ray Charles, how he built out Atlantic Records, and um, I just think it's great going back and reading those books. I got books on Clive Davis and, and David Geffen. It's like, okay, what were they doing 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago trying to build this industry out? How can we pull some of those same ideas? What's what's the same? What's different? Um, you know, because I, I think those things provide great perspective and insight on, on how we can move forward. 100%. Uh, so, 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 yeah, I love it. Um, last question I got for you. What is the most interesting project you're working on right now and, and why? Um. I'll say the most interesting project is right now, for me personally, it's probably like Cody's music because like, man, like it's just been a journey. She's, she's someone I've always wanted to work with, even as an intern at RCA, and things came back full circle because we were around each other, each other, but never officially met until um, the end of last year. So yeah, it's just really like just seeing her develop, and then. You know, I hate to be cliche, but the project of life, like, I'm still growing myself. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, I'm still pouring into myself. I'm still learning things. I'm still making mistakes. Um, I love seeing I love seeing my producers develop into into who they really want to be, whether it's A&Rs, um, entrepreneurs, um, you know, um, banking in on money right now with the crypto, with crypto and everything. Just like, yeah, I'm just excited about a couple of things. Um. I'm also very, very excited about what I'm doing with Take a Day Trip, for sure. Like, there's a lot of things we're working on this year um, for our entire roster. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, yo, can't thank you enough for the time, man. Really appreciate you, um, you, you know, uh, coming through and, and, and chopping it up with us. Uh, we'd love to kind of open it up uh, if you're down for for a few questions. So, you know, we'll kind of stick around. If you guys have questions, uh, anybody listening, uh, feel free to just hit the um, – hit the raise your hand button. We'll definitely try and get to you. 
um, and, and we'll try to um, you know answer your questions best we can. Uh, but appreciate everybody coming through again. This is uh, Monday Morning Manager. We're here every single Monday morning at 11 a.m. talking to different managers. This week we're talking to to, to Maine here about um, you know A and R, how to make hits, how to diversify, how to really think about building out a career. So um, yeah, if you guys have any questions on that. Uh, please feel free to, uh, you know, to, to step up to the stage here. Happy to, uh, you know, to chop it up. Um, see, we got, looks like we got somebody in here right now. Uh, yeah, please raise your hands if you have any questions, any yeah. advice that you may need. Yeah. Like, I'm happy to open it up and answer. Cool. We got, we got somebody here, AC. AC, what's going on, man? You, you you there? Oh, I think he's connected still. AC, what's going on, man? You there? Yeah, hey. hey. Uh, first, I just want to say thanks for hosting this. Uh, thanks for all the knowledge y'all drop. I feel catching up trying to take all the notes of what I just listened to. <laughs> no, man. Um, appreciate you coming through. Two questions for you, man. Um, one, when are we going to get a book club update? Like, when are we getting it back off the uh, ground again? I was tuning in every week. I'm ready. Uh, I know you're a busy man, so no rush. I'm just curious. And my second question is um, about going, uh, like getting an internship at a label or really with anyone, if if that would be the right move. I'm currently managing uh, an artist out of Huntsville, Alabama, and I work with a couple producers here. I'm just not sure. I didn't go to college or anything. I really you know, believe in the music and what we're doing. I'm just not sure if I should, you know, work at a label, really get the ins and outs. I've been reading a lot of music books, but, you know, I just want to get as much knowledge and be as as um, as much of use, you know, to, to the artists and producers I work with. And, you know. No doubt, man. I, thank you. I actually know you, AC. I'm glad you're, you're up yeah. here. Um, I'm glad to see your progress too as a manager, bro. I know we don't see too much, but I, I definitely pay attention. Um, in terms of the book club, so I actually deleted this, the book stuff off of my Instagram, but what I plan on doing is I'm developing right now a, a Discord channel, which is going to be like a, a multiverse for, for opportunity, and one of the channel, one of the sub-channels in there is going to be a book club um, that I'm developing. So as I get the time, I'm just adding different things. I hope to launch it in the summertime. But yeah, so I, you can be on the lookout for that. And then in terms of just like interning at a interning at a record label, um, I think that's I think that's a personal choice. You know what I mean? Depending on where where you're located, what you want to learn, uh, and who you're learning from. In my in my experience, um, like RCA, right? When I was at RCA, I was an unofficial intern. Like I wasn't even supposed to be there, to be honest with you. And they were just giving me passes and letting me sneak up upstairs and work there, et cetera, right? But um, I, that's where I first learned how to make records. I was in the office bringing my friends into this, like, giving them passes. I was literally making music in front of executives and the CEOs, et cetera. Um, a lot of the other things that I need to learn just came from experience and through, through mentorship. So in my opinion, having a mentor is more valuable and then going to do an internship at a record label. Um, you'll see now, like if you take if you take a look at 
at the landscape of music right now. A lot of companies, a lot of companies are artists founded and management founded. Um, we are the new labels, you know what I mean? We are the new infrastructure, you know? So it is really about finding a mentor and networking and being able to answer those questions. And you got to hop off the porch, bro. No matter where you're at in this world, you got to like, you owe it to yourself to get your dreams out and to take to be who you really want to be. You're not going to do that if you're questioning, you know, should I take an internship or not? Do what your gut is telling you to do. You got to jump off that porch, bro. Yeah, well said, and 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 I would I would just uh, to piggyback off that. Yeah, I think it is a personal choice. I would um, I, I I would also add like it it's not a um, well first off to level set what to expect working at a label. You're probably going to be working on projects you don't want to work on, right? If you if you went that route, um, if you want to take an internship, that's a great way to like get in the door. But ultimately, like if you're going to be giving somebody your time, like you need to be getting paid for that as well, right? So the, the the goal should be you know trying to work at a label at some point if that's the route you want to take. Then within that, understand that like you're going to be working on projects that you don't like. So to Maine's point, you got to figure out if that's something that you're okay with doing for the time being if you're like hey i'm working with a couple of artists or manager or excuse me producers and you know stuff's kind of there but i'm not like super gung-ho about a lot of the stuff then i would say go, go work at the label right now you're building your network somebody's paying you for your time you're building your network and then you know if an opportunity with a, a song or an artist or producer pops up now you can actually take advantage of it because you have some some connections that being said it's definitely tough to to, to get gigs so the so i wouldn't put all my eggs into that basket what i would really focus on which i think is uh uh, hits on everything that Maine said and, you know, goes the, the, the label route too, is that, you know, uh, it's about adding value. So to any relationship, it's how do you add value? If you're going to be working with a, a producer, um, an artist, it's what do you bring to the table that they need? So if you're going to go and, and work for um, a, a manager that's uh, uh, popping and producing, a label that's popping and producing, an artist, a producer, it's what can you do, or excuse me, what do they need? And can you fill that gap? So come up with a list of people that you really like, you really follow, you pay attention to, that you would love to work with. And then follow them on social media and try and find an opportunity to reach out to them to ask them that question directly. What do you need help with? Is there anything that I can do to help you? Ask those questions before saying, hey, I want to be an A&R for this project, right? Because the best artists in the world have the pick of the litter. Like they don't need you for that. But starting out, maybe there's another thing that you could do for them. Maybe they need somebody to shuttle people back and forth to studio sessions for a writing camp. You got a car? Great. Do that. You know what I mean? And that, that's how you can add value. Murph, you actually just reminded me of something too, because you took a page right out of Dale Carnegie's book. Um, one book I want to suggest you guys read to is um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Mm. You got you to gotta learn how to separate your wants and your needs for just yourself and being able to add value. The more value you can add towards somebody, the more you'll be blessed. The more the more opportunities you give someone, the more sustainable your legacy will be. We, we talked about this at the top. It, it really comes back to like just a respect thing. You want respect, you got to give it. It's the same thing here. You want a career, you want to be in, you got to give up your time, your effort, your energy to, to kind of get 
people to, to give that back to you as well. And, and it's just about trying to add value to what other people have going on. But it also goes into what Maine had talked about, like your intention. What do you want to do with your life? You know, list your skills, list your weaknesses, see where you could help um, somebody else, and then go and ask people. And keep asking people until you find somebody that, that hits on what exactly you bring to the table um, and, and uh, you know, run down that rabbit hole. Because you may want to work with somebody, but they may not need you, right? So so be, be prepared for that rejection as well. But understand that, like, that's also just right now. It wasn't meant to be right now. They don't need you. You need them. Ah, it's okay. It's okay. Just build that relationship and wait till that next opportunity pops up where you're like, oh, hey, I've been working on this. Here's how I can help you. So, uh, so yeah, it, it, took, it takes a while to learn that piece. It took a while for me to learn that. How do, you, how do you get something you want? It's like, okay, well, help somebody else get what they want and, and that'll reciprocate back to you. So hopefully that, that answered uh, long-winded answers to your question, AC, but hopefully that helped, man. No, thank you. No, I, I preferred the long-winded answer. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate both your advice and Maine's. Um, uh, I had that uh, how to win friends and influence people on my book list, but I'm going to definitely make that you know more of a priority now. Yeah, read um, that Read that one. And then th- there's, uh, and Maine, this was the book that I was talking about before too, uh, Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi. It's kind of like an updated version of that. Um, same thing. It's just like how to, how to add value to other people's lives. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's, it's about like not hitting them up only when you need something, but you know, trying to build real relationships with people and, and, and hitting them up just, just to hit them up and say hello, things like that. So, so yeah, man, ho- hopefully that, uh, hopefully you find some value in that too. No, for sure, man. That was very valuable. I just wrote that book down too. Thank y'all. I appreciate y'all once again. I'll, I'll let someone else ask a question. Huh? Dope, man. Appreciate it. Thank, thanks for sticking around, man, and, uh, and for coming through. Um, we do have to get going right now. We're, we're at the end of our time. If you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, feel free to give us a shout. Feel free to hit Maine as well. He's in here. Make sure to follow anybody and everybody in here that, that you think um, you know is cool and, and you'd like to build a relationship with. And uh, you know, make sure, Feel free to come back every week, like I said, Monday morning, 11 a.m. Every single week we're here. Uh, if you guys want to listen to any past episodes, hit the link in bio. And uh, in Maine, can't thank you uh, enough again for, for taking the time out this week, man. Nah, thank you guys, and again, thank you, Max, for helping to put this together. Aiden as well, too. Merch, you know, you're my guy. Hit me anytime. I really appreciate everyone for joining in. I hope you all take off your your goals in abundance, and remember, life is about humility, identity, and purpose. Once you know who you are, you know what you're meant to do in life and what's meant for you. Love it, man. All right, appreciate everybody for sticking around. We'll, uh, We'll see you guys next week. We'll talk soon. Peace. Peace. For more information on Studio Talk, visit us at studiotalk.co or on all social platforms at Studio Talk Co. At Studio Talk CO.